over this past week, I'm sure all of us have sat around some sort of table of some kind, right? If you went to Starbucks, you may have sat in the chairs, but this past chairs with tables, right? Uh, you may have went home to be with family over this past week. Maybe you traveled to a faraway land, I don't know, or uh, what you did this week. But you sat around the table, some sort of table with someone. Now, here's the thing. Again, last week we talked about this. When we think about this time of year and we think about Thanksgiving, we think about Christmas, we think about the table, we look at the table, we get to the table, and we look around, and sometimes we see people that we love to be with at the table, Right? And sometimes we see those that we don't love to be with so much. They're called family. Um, that's why Friendsgiving is so popular now. It's like, I choose who I'm going to have with me versus the ones I have to have with me. But think about it for real. This is a real situation. When we think about the table, it's reflective of so many things. I shared with you last week how we had this one table that my wife so graciously got rid of that we had since we were married, the beginning of our marriage, basically. And uh, so many great memories were wrapped around this table, kids eating for the first time. And even our church was built around that table, and that dream has been dashed. I'm kidding. She found a new table for a great deal. And we've made new memories around it. But you think about the table, and there's a lot of connotations, a lot of things that come up when you think about the table because it's the people that are around it with you, the table the table. Last week, we talked about a specific table with a specific meal. We talked about a Passover table and a Passover meal. We talked about communion. We talked about a time of remembrance and also reminders of what? Of Jesus' sacrifice, of his brokenness, and our place in the big picture. And the thing is, when we think about the table, we may think about some of the pain that Jesus even felt at that table too, knowing that there's people that are there that are going to betray you, people that are there that are going to hurt you, that are going to deny you. And we think about that with the table in our own lives. Those same thoughts go through our minds and our hearts as we sit around the table with people. But it's so important for us to still set the table for Jesus, right? Remember last week we did that. It was an illustrative moment where we set up a table and we set the table and we set across the table from Jesus. And it was so important for us to do that, to commune with him and to be reminded and to remember the things that he'd done for us. But here we find ourselves a week later. And it's funny, I wasn't feeling super well this week. And Thursday with Thanksgiving, we went to our in-laws and, um, well, Kara's family, but my in-laws, and I sat there, and man, it was just a marvelous sight. All of our family together, amazing food and all this stuff. But I feel like the taster wasn't tasting right. You ever have those kinds of times in your life? And I was so excited. Thanksgiving is my favorite. I've told you guys this. So excited. So excited. And then it seemed like all the food was just meh. Right? Do you ever had that feeling in your life? I was getting pictures from everybody sending me the pictures of their beautiful Thanksgiving meals, and I'm like... Meh. Well, you know, because I'm sitting here, everything tastes pretty bland. But a couple days later, when the taste buds came back, all right, I had some of mom's cooking. She imported from Virginia up with my brother, brought some up with himself the uh, past couple days, and I had that sweet potato casserole. <laughs> Woo! It was on. It was on. The taste buds were back. The fog has lifted. The world has shifted. Everything was great. Everything realigned. It was all happy. But we got to be remembering uh, what, it, what, it, what, what is represented around the table. You know, for me, it was a time when mom wasn't there this time around because she's in Virginia, couldn't make it up. 
But then there's also folks that we don't necessarily want to be there as well. And we think about these things and we look at the disciples in this moment when they were together at this table. And what we do and what we're going to do today is we're going to fast forward a little bit. We're going to fast forward through some of the key events that happen right after this table experience. We see as we fast forward, Jesus is actually betrayed. As we go forward a few chapters in the book of Luke, we see that Peter then denies him. That he's condemned by the religious leaders of his day. That he stands trial before Pilate. You're like, aren't we getting close to Christmas, not Easter? No, bear with me on this. We see him be crucified on the cross. We hear about the beating that ensues beforehand of his flesh that is ripped from his body. We, we get these visuals and this understanding of what happens after that wonderful meal they had together when Jesus was talking about what was to come. We see him laid in a borrowed tomb. Wasn't even his. Didn't even have a place. Even then to lay his head at death, right? And we see him be raised from the dead. The crescendo, if you will, the big moment, the resurrection. But it still makes me think, and when I read scripture, I think this way. What, what were the folks feeling, though? We get to read this stuff when hindsight is 2020, right? We have the synoptic gospels. We have all these eyewitness accounts and we have the, the whole scripture before us, but these guys were in it. And the table had been broken apart, if you will. Everything had been dashed, all hopes, all plans. They were just left out there in the cold. Probably what they felt like. What are we going to do now? The shepherd has been struck and the sheep are scattered. And you, you see what I'm saying here? Are you, are you getting this understanding? All of this stuff is happening around them. And what's so cool is we get to Luke, okay, chapter 24. And I want you to, I want you to remember this, some understanding of who Luke was. The only Gentile author, okay, of a gospel. The only one that was not of, of Jewish descent. The only one that wasn't someone that would, would be chosen to write something like this. Someone who also authored the book of Acts. One of those guys that's intelligent, an intellectual guy. He was a doctor. It's like, Brad, he's smart. Brad's like, I hate you. And he wrote with a strong emphasis on prayer, miracles, and frequent, frequent references to illnesses and diagnosis. And here's why. Because as a doctor... They know how to heal with their hands. That's what doctors do, right? With their minds and their hands. But when a miracle happens, it's outside of their control. It's beyond them. So Luke writes with this intent and this understanding when he writes the scripture that, look, all this stuff that happened and has ha is happening is a miracle. It's amazing. Look at all this stuff that is beyond human control. Okay? This is what he wants us to read the scripture with today. And this is a little bit lengthy, but it's a story. Okay? It's a story. So bear with me, all right? Put yourself, yourself in the situation and read along with me. You'll see it on your screen in just a moment. Luke 24, 13, we're starting with verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. Two of them. Who are these people? Normal folks, normal followers of Christ, okay? This is very important. Just normal followers of Christ like you and I. About seven miles from Jerusalem, the epicenter of everything that had happened the past few days. They were talking with each other about everything that happened, okay? Two friends 
talking about all of the events over the past few days of what happened to the one they were following, Jesus. Okay, are you with me? As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself, we we pass over that a lot, okay? Jesus himself, all right, came up and walked along with him. Normal people taking a walk, talking about the stuff that had happened in their lives that just basically just took all their hopes and dreams and dashed them in one moment, okay? As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him, okay? They didn't see him at this point because he didn't want them to see them see him at this point. And I love this, true Jesus fashion. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, listen here, they stood still, their faces downcast. They're looking down at the ground, they have no hope, okay? One of them named Cleopas, Oh, Cleopas, sorry, it's been rough, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? They asked Jesus, listen, are you an idiot? Do you know what just happened the past few days? The world was literally shaken. You see what I'm saying by this? Like this guy, a prophet of God, I mean, his, his name was Jesus, he, he was like the hope. He was everything. And over the past few days, he was beaten, man. He was torn apart. He died on the cross. He's in a tomb, right? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. They knew on the third day something was supposed to happen. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this this morning, but did not find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to tomb and found it was just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish are you and how slow to believe all the things that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them. Jesus goes through the whole story this way. He spends his time to really educate them in this moment. Explain to them what was said in all the scriptures. Think about that. All the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village, right, Emmaus, uh, to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. Listen, his intent was to be with these guys in this moment, right? Excuse me. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Listen to me. When he was at the table with them, he took bread. He gave thanks. Does this sound familiar? Broke it and began to give it to them. Listen to me. Verse 31. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us? while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. They got up 
and, re- and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true. It is true. It's true. I'm telling you, it's true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon, Simon Peter, right? Then the two of them, excuse me, the two told what had happened on, on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Isn't it amazing? Is that crazy? When you read on just a couple chapters more, Jesus appears to regular folks. Appears to regular folks. Everybody else is like, yeah, he's gone. I heard he was gone. But he appears to regular folks. Isn't this amazing how he set up the kingdom even in this moment? So that you would have the ability to lead beyond that moment. Jesus was setting it up in such a way, saying, look, I'm going to appear to you before I'm going to even appear to the disciples. I just love that. That's a beautiful picture of how God set this thing up, all right, and understanding. But also, he appears to them, okay, and challenges them, but he also wants to then use them to show himself to others. So there's some things that I want us to think about, an understanding of expectation. That every day you still set the table because you're expecting someone to show up. Every day you still set the table by faith that Jesus is going to show up. I wonder. I wonder if the disciples maybe went back to that place. I don't know. Where they had that Passover meal with him. I wonder if they sat back at the table again. I don't know. I I literally don't know. No, No one. I don't know. And just said, remember when he broke bread and he shared these things with us? Oh, man, what a moment. I wonder, you know, what happened on the backside of all this when they sat around other tables and city squares and all that kind of stuff. What did they think about? What was going through their minds? What was going through their hearts? And you see even normal folk who were taking a walk that day. They're about seven miles is how far that city was outside of Jerusalem, that village. A seven-mile walk because they just needed to clear their minds and their heads of all the things that have happened and try to wrap their minds around the future and what it would look like with Jesus being murdered, being crucified, right? And, And the thought that if he does come back, what does that really mean for the rest of my life in the world? We have to be expecting someone. We have to be expecting him. Otherwise, why would he show up to you? right? It's so important. So a couple things. When we expect Jesus to show up, he opens our eyes. You see that? Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. What a picture there though. When we expect him to show up, we'll see him. He'll open our eyes, not only just to him, but the things that are around us. When we ask him to journey with us through our lives, he'll show us the people that are in need. When we ask him and we expect him to be in situations, he will show up and bring the healing that we've been praying for for someone's life. When we expect him to show up, you know, we've been praying over our finances and all these things. He'll actually show up in them and show himself true. But it's one of these things. Do we see it? I got to be honest with you. Sometimes I can be half empty versus half full kind of guy. 
Anybody else understand that feeling? I don't want to be like Eeyore, but sometimes you just want to be like Eeyore, you know? Sometimes you just, um, Kara, we'll, we'll be talking about something. She's like, you got to snap out of, like, can I just be upset right now, you know? Can I just be angry? No, you can't. I'm like, yes, I can. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. <laughs> oh, Mucinex. Shameless plug. But when we're with him, when we expect him to show up, our eyes are truly opened to him. We see him. Think about that when they were sitting at the table with him. They, their eyes are open, and they're like, I didn't see those holes before. I didn't see, you know, I was so downcast. I was walking along the road with you and I, could, I didn't even, I just listened to this guy talking. I didn't understand that was Jesus. When I'm with you, when I expect you to show up, when I'm at you with the table and I look at you face to face, you open my eyes to everything. That's how we want to be. Eyes wide open. I always pray, Lord, let your spirit just help me to see what's really going on. Sometimes that's a crazy prayer because when you see what's really going on, it makes you sick sometimes because we live in a messed up world. Sometimes it makes you just want to stop wanting to see it. But we are people that are supposed to go and help people, right? So when we see something, we act. We're first responders, okay? When we expect Jesus to show up, he opens our eyes. The second thing is this. When we expect Jesus to show up, I love this, he burns passion in our hearts, he burns passion in our hearts. Look at the scripture. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us? Look at that. Burning within us. He, he just started speaking these scriptures about all the things that were happening you know, around us and that the, the prophecies that were all around these last few days. And I was just so dang excited. I felt like I just couldn't contain it. I felt like there was a fire inside of me and I was pumped. Like, did you feel that, dude? He's like, yeah. Why? Jesus showed up. He showed up. And I, I knew something was different about this guy. Something burned within me like nothing never before. While we talked with him on the road and he opened the scriptures to us. It takes a lot of time to mine scripture, doesn't it? It takes time to sit down. <laughs> I see that head nod. It takes time to sit down. It takes discipline. Look, and I struggle. That struggle is real for this guy. Because you know me, as it is, I'm like, squirrel, you know. But it's a struggle because I'd rather talk with somebody, right, than sit down with a book sometimes. You know, Jordan's like, I know you talk nonstop when we get together. But I, I rather dialogue. I love that. I just that that gets that gets things exciting. That, that just makes you burn with passion when you get to just hear somebody's heart and share yours with them. But the thing is, the, these these normal people were changed by the scriptures that Jesus quoted while he was with them. The scripture is what burned in them, and then out of that scripture came a passion. And we need more of God's scripture in our hearts so that we have more of his passion within us. I tell folks, whenever they're going through tough times and struggles, I'm like, find some scriptures that surround this right now. I even help you. And you quote that junk right when you feel like the enemy's trying to mess with you. Even Jesus said it is written. If Jesus says it and he practiced it, so don't we. 
right? It burns passion in your hearts when you have it in your life. And when Jesus shows up, listen, I'm telling you, when you read the word, his spirit, the Holy Spirit, that's part of the job of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate the scripture to us, to bring light to it and apply it directly as we need it and where we need it. What a great picture, right? Burns passion within us. The third thing is this. When we expect Jesus to show up, I love this. He takes us back. He takes us back. Sometimes I wish I could go back to when I was a kid. I really do. I really do. More than ever sometimes. I think about, you know, because the holidays aren't the easiest. I love Thanksgiving. I love this stuff. But it reminds me of so many things. It really does. And I wish we could go back, right, to like the early 90s, right, that time frame, you know, late 80s for me. You guys were like, what? But when, when my grandparents had the farm, Right, and we'd go down during Thanksgiving and we'd have some wonderful food that Meemaw would make and it was just all slopped together, but it was amazing because she cooked and it was like, what just happened? Just eat, all right? And all the guys would go out and go hunting and all that kind of stuff on Thanksgiving Day. Our family would come in from Maryland, you know, the city folk, and they'd be like, let's go hunting. You know, that was always fun to watch. And, and I just remember all these wonderful memories that we had I wish I could go back sometimes. Do you think these guys felt the very same way? I wish we could just go back to when Jesus was here on earth and everything was fine. Well, I remember because they were followers of Christ, which means they followed him. They watched his ministry take place in this way. They were like, I remember when we were following him. Remember that miracle that he did? Remember, they were on a seven-mile walk one way. I wish we could just go back to that place. I wish that that was what was happening right now. All, all these things that have happened have just thrown life up in the air, and I don't know which way is up and which way is down. It's amazing how we can get that way, isn't it? These guys understood that exactly. But what's beautiful about this is when Jesus showed up, because they expected him to, I hope, right? We need to for sure. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem the epicenter of all that had happened over the past few days. What did that mean? They went back to a place of his redemption. They were reminded of what he did at that place. They went back to a place of, of really an understanding of failures maybe. How I don't know if these guys, we don't know, if they even denied Jesus on that day. If someone asked them, are you a follower of Christ? Did they run just like Peter did? I don't know. But it makes you think. They went back to the place where everything was real and everything was made real. And it was the place of his promise and purpose for their lives. So often we want to go back to when things were easier, but we have to go ahead to make sure we fulfill his promise. It's okay to understand about the, the history that we have in our lives, but it's so, more, so much more important as we look back, we look forward to what God has for us. But the beauty of it all is, is he takes us back to him. He takes us back to his promise so that we can then go forward. Important. And the last thing is this. As we go forward, when we expect Jesus to show up, he gives us boldness. 
This is part of verse 33 and 30 through 35. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true. It is true, guys. Everything that they talked about is true. He came back. It's legit. We just walked with him. The story was amazing. You should have, man, he was quoting all the scripture. We were walking on this road together. We sat down and we broke bread together. And all of a sudden, our eyes were open and we saw him. And it just took us back to all the things that happened. And it's just amazing to see. It's true. The Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told him what happened that day. Gave them boldness to go back so that they could go ahead. See, this was the precursor and the understanding. And and Luke wrote this because he was talking all about the future too with the Holy Spirit. That you're going to have someone, you know, and they went back to this place, this understanding of where the one person died and this other person's going to come and give them strength to move ahead. Took them back to take them ahead in true boldness. And we see in Luke 24, 35, then the two of them, the two, excuse me, then the two told what had happened on the way and this is it, how Jesus recognized them when he broke the bread. It all happened at the table. We're gonna conclude with a, a worship song this morning. And I just wanna challenge you. I really wanna challenge you guys to grab a hold of this understanding. Don't be like most of the world sometimes, even myself, to expect Jesus, you know, not to show up in a situation and a circumstance, to expect things not to turn out as well as you planned, right? You know, we can be that way. It's normal. We can get into the Eeyore kind of thing of life when we look around and everything is gloomy, right? Or we can have a spirit of expectation and understanding that of all the things, like Jesus said, what things? All the things that Jesus has done in our lives are for a reason and for this season so that we can move ahead in boldness and receive his spirit as we continue on. We look further in in the book of Luke and we see that that it's because of this peace factor that God wants to give us. I don't know about you guys, but I love the feeling of peace because I also know the feeling of anxiety and stress, right? And Jesus wants to show up in that. He does for me, and he does for you. But he will not push himself upon you. I know that's what's so beautiful about this relationship. He'll do his part when you do yours. So you have to allow him. You have to set the table with an expectation that he will show up. Then not all of your hopes are dashed, but yet the future is bright because God is in it. Expectation. Remember, this is the Advent season where we look forward to the coming king, the child, the baby. What a beautiful picture of expectation of a little baby. God's going to give you a fresh start, but it starts at the table. So I want to challenge you to two things. Number one, making sure your relationship with God is in the right place. Making sure that you are are right where you need to be with him, maybe for the first time or, or rededicating yourself. And that's the number one thing we always do. Some people may be like, why do you do that all the time? Because I've been around churches that did not do it all the time. And I don't want to miss one opportunity for someone to know Jesus. He's changed my life. He's changed my life. Literally, he's given me everything. 
Apart from him, I'm nothing. It's just the way it is. So I want to share my friend with you, number one. And the second thing is really that spirit of expectation. And what it might look like for you, and it might look stupid to others. And I've, I've never really understood when people do this, and even Kara would do it sometimes. Let's just put some, some placemats down and put some, some plates on the table. Let's just, it looks nice. Let's just do that. I'm like, no, it gets in the way because I have to move it every single time. Right, baby? She's like, but it's decoration. I'm like, it's in my way. It's my table. I'm just kidding. But maybe, maybe this Christmas season, maybe you need to set the table as a visual reminder when you walk by it that I'm expecting Jesus to show up in my life. I want to become pregnant with his promises. I'm expecting. You see what I'm saying? I want to be full of his hope. Right? I do. I, I'm telling you guys. I'm telling you. I, need, I want this. I need it. It's been a rough couple years. And I, I want to expect more from him. He wants me to expect more from him because he wants to give that to me. He wants to give me everything. That's the thing. All of it. But what am I expecting? Am I putting a small little six-ounce glass on the table? Or am I putting a pitcher that he can fill? Because I'm expecting a lot. Am I putting a big plate on the table that he can fill with, you know, multiple knives and forks, you know, so we can have courses together? Or am I just expecting a little portion, a little tapas meal together, just little small plates? No. I'm expecting the big stuff. Am I putting the serving platter in the middle where he's going to slap the the big old ham oh gosh I'm hungry <laughs> you can tell I'm famished I'm not going to turn the air on I'll blow away what are you expecting you know what I'm saying wow we have an opportunity we have an opportunity to allow God through his son Jesus to fulfill our expectations oh, I'm pumped for this I feel like this is a life changer. I'm going to try it. I'm going to work hard at it because I'm, uh, I'm tired. Uh. I can be that way. I'm expecting great things. So close your eyes with me. Number one, where are you at with him? Are you in the right place? What does that mean? Asking for forgiveness and turning from the life that you have chosen all along and turning to him, just setting it all on the table and asking to do with it as he pleases. Repenting, turning from sin and turning to him. Is that, if that's you, just simply look at me real quick and then we're gonna, we're gonna get some expectation hopes here, okay? Anybody? Okay. All right. Now, I'm believing that all of us are gonna have a spirit of expectation a spirit and a hope of expectation in our lives. I'm believing that all of us are, gonna, are going to leave our seat, not this place, but our seat with a spirit of expectation. Like as, as we stand, that we are just standing firm on the promises of God, that we are standing firm as a city on a hill, as a light, right? We are, we are just going to be everything that he wants us to be. I'm expecting God to move in my life. I'm setting the table for great things. And if you're with me on that, because we're getting ready to worship, just stand with me. Stand with me. 
pray together and then we're going to worship God as we conclude. And if you would like further prayer, please don't, don't, don't hesitate to come forward. If you don't feel comfortable when others leave today, you can come forward after that. That's totally fine. Um, we always encourage you to pray with your neighbor because that's a great thing to do if you came with somebody. If you didn't, let us pray with you, all right? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for your word that as we read it, we see these almost like little hidden truths, these little things that you want us to discover over time that only come by way of us looking deeper and thinking more and spending more time. God, I'm so sorry I struggle with that sometimes. You know my heart, God, and you know how busy I can get. I pray as you expect me to show up and be with you at the table that I would expect you as well. And then when I'm with you, God, when I'm with you, I will feel and know and be everything that I'm supposed to be as I am there with you in that moment. Help us, God, to always, to continually expect more of you because you want us to have all of you. We love you, God. And Lord, we have more than enough reason to worship this morning and to thank you. So we do, in Jesus' name. Amen. You stood before Spoke the earth into motion.